This is part two of a two-part podcast. Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash paulwheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash paulwheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. So um, now, uh, um, basically, because when I'm looking at this picture of your property, you know, there's – now, granted, you I'm going to say you've been there only five years. That's right. And at the same time, uh, you have a worky job. And I saw some little short people there. I imagine they are worthless at permaculture. <laughs> ah, well, you know, they take care of the rabbits. The rabbits are a great system for us. We use them mature. They take care of the chickens. Okay. Okay. Ride Did the they, goats. How many Hugo cultures yes. have those little shits built so far? <laughs> Probably they not cult- a one. You little no, bastards! No. You gotta pull your weight. No, they're planting. They plant seeds. They walk around. We plant oh. wildflower seeds. That they're, is they're, awesome. They're seed spreaders. No, oh, good. good, 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 good. Now, the, my point is, is that they probably haven't done a lot of permaculture designs, but it does sound like that's cool. That they're planting seeds. That is fun because some kids are kind of like, uh, "Screw you, Dad! I'm playing my video game right now." And it's like, uh, but if they're actually planting the seeds, that is that is a big positive. Awesome, awesome. Um, is there anybody else on this property that I haven't heard about yet? Wifey face. There you go. That was the one. Somehow I just sensed this this person there, and nothing had been said. Okay. She also has a worky job. Also working from home. So it's nice. Yeah. Okay. All right. All cool. The thing I'm trying to get to is to say, like, I see this big patch to the south that looks like it is yearning for permaculture love someday. And you haven't gotten there yet because of the worky jobs. And sometimes in your spare time, somebody has a boo-boo or somebody's hungry or somebody just broke a thing. And now you're going to spend the next three days fixing it. You know, kid stuff. I have some good news. I have some good news for you. So right here where my cursor is, which is in the the the, the north part of the field, <clears throat> there is now a 12-foot tall Google culture bed, my, my first one, also oh. built with the excavator. I thought you'd be happy about that. I'm, I am happy about that. There are um, two rows of trees planted on contour here. Um, it swells a little bit on the weak side, but we have pears, apples, locusts, white chestnuts um, uh, on here. And then this right here is where the pond's going. So some permaculture goodness limited, limited by visuals. It's, you know, it's kind of a lame reason, but you know, our back deck is here. So looking out over the pasture, you know, uh, I have to make it both permaculturally and beautiful. Okay. I don't want you to do stuff on contour anymore. Stop that. Why? What am I doing? How are we supposed to do that? You're, you're, if you do it on contour, then you're running the risk of creating frost pockets. 
And and as much as you're in a much warmer area than I am, you still have a limited growing season. In fact, um, I'm willing to guess that your growing season might be only slightly longer than mine. So if I've got a four-month-long growing season, do you know how long you're growing? By growing season, you know what I mean by that. It's it's that time from last frost, average last frost, to average first frost. Do you know what yeah, that time span is? Yeah, late March to October. But it's pretty damn cold. Um, we have to do some season extending stuff to really get anything going. So for our, our raised beds, we do have, like, these mini greenhouse covers that we put on to get things going earlier. All right. Season extension. So when you do stuff on contour or make like, and do stuff by, I guess in the world of do stuff on contour, that would include swales and you use the swale word, then you are encouraging frost pockets. And so that makes it so that you are shortening your growing season which sounds the opposite of what you were just saying, which is extending the growing season. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, no, that, that sounds right. The, the, the thought process was to try and keep it moisture longer, right. To kind of mitigate the, 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 the water challenges in the summer. But honestly, I couldn't, I can't, I couldn't, tell any noticeably different area on the swales, right? They didn't stay greener significantly longer than the rest of the, than the rest of the pasture. All right. Um, I, I've got like eight thoughts all, you know, fighting each other to jump out right now, but let me just go with this one. Have you gone out in like five different locations on your property? Cause you got some, there's some stuff close to the house that's more of your zone one, zone two. There's that stuff uh, that's that we were just talking about where you're you've been building some things that looks more like your zone three or so. Have you gone out to different spots on your property and dug a hole like maybe a foot and a half wide and two feet deep? Yeah, four four different locations. Oh, good, 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 good. And what? What can you tell me about what you saw when you dug these holes? <laughs> um, it's funny. And, and I've also like, did the soil shake tests and all of these. Okay. It's all exactly the same. It's okay. all this brownish red, um, silty clay. Uh, and then the one variation is in some areas of the property, there's a bunch of rock, giant rocks in it. Um, other than that, it's pretty homogenous. Is it giant rocks mixed into the silty clay, or is it like a bunch of giant rocks, like it's and there's no no yeah, multi silty clay clay. Once in a while, you'll you'll hit a big giant yellow rock. Okay, 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 okay. I think it's really important for you to take your silty clay and do the mason jar test. Do you know how to do that? I'm showing okay. it. You're showing it's, it to me. But you're not going to believe this. Look, it, there is literally no layers. There's no layers. It is all one layer. I have done this three different times, and I keep, keep shaking it up. I even put it on a washing machine to see if I could filter it out. It is just one dark brown layer. So is it all silt? 
Is it all clay? It's definitely yes. not sand. It's it's definitely all silt or all clay. <laughs> so here's what I want you to do next. I want you to open up your mason jar, dig that, dig out, pour off the water, dig out the sludge, and I want you to make uh 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 I don't know like a little plate out of it, and then uh, set it aside someplace where it could dry. And then what we want to find out is, does it crack? Because if it cracks, it's probably clay. In fact, if it cracks, it's definitely clay. If okay, so like when, when it dries out, does it crack? <clears throat> right, right. So you're gonna you're gonna make it's clay. So I can you know so I I know run out of time here. We'll get to the picture. We dug out the pond. I was like, I can't tell if this is or clay. It just rained three inches um, and went down there with the excavator to try and like see if I can add some additional compaction. And as it dried out, everything cracked. Okay. That's, it. That, that's definitely clay. Yes. It's a type of clay. Now, there's many types of clay. But, um, I mean, there's ceramic clays that don't crack, right? So, um, but you know, this, we're getting into it, a whole area that's, like, not my area. But, but... The thing is, is that if it cracks, it's clay. So it is, it's a type of clay. So, all right. You know, that's kind of good news. That means you should be able to seal your ponds way, way better. You know, it won't take nearly as much effort to seal your ponds. Right. I hope so. It rained three inches in 48 hours and within a day, there is no water in the pond. So, but it, I, I'm just kind of like hoping that it's just because everything is so crazy dry, right? It was digging the, the pond. By the time we were done, it was just filled with powder, right? No, no rain in three months. Ah. See, now, I kind of feel like if what you had was clay, it it would have held the water without you doing anything. I know. That's what I was thinking, too. That's what made me nervous. So now it cracks like clay, because I kind of feel like silt won't crack. And it's, like, hard as a rock. I mean, it is. it becomes so, so hard to um, break apart. Another indicator silt, in my mind that it's clay. Silt is, like, super tiny uh, sand. It's just, it's just sand, but tinier. And so that the thing is, is that if you get a bunch of water that lands in your pond and it runs out, that kind of suggests that this stuff must be silt, which looks just like clay, but it behaves different. Like water passes through silt. Water can pass through clay, but now it's possible the clay was dry and then, I mean, usually once it gets wet, but it's like if the, if the, maybe it's, maybe what's happening is, is that the, the clay that's in the lower layer was absorbing all that water and, you know, sealing and it needed more. But three inches is a lot of rain. I know. So, um, I think just, it's fingers crossed still on that, right? I mean, there's nothing we can do at this point. You know, the hope is that it was, you know, through the excavation process, there's so much loose, powdery 
material on the bottom that just absorbed it. And as it becomes fully hydrated, then it starts to stay on top. I, I, I can't think of anything to do short term at this point to address it. It's like if, bentonite clay. I don't want to get No, no, no. No, it's a clay. Right? So I'm talking about a uh, clay. Yeah. So bentonite clay, if it's dry, it expands to be nine times bigger than its original size when it has water. And that's how you can kind of seal certain ponds is because it kind of gets down into all the cracks. And then when it gets wet, then it grows and expands. But you got to keep it wet. If it gets dry, then all the water goes through it until it expands. So it's it's kind of a property of bentonite. So that's definitely going to crack when it gets dry. Okay. So you, sir, have hit me with a mystery. And granted, you do the mason jar test, and everything in there looks exactly the same. So I, there's definitely nothing in there that's sand. No. And so, um, and that's the way that the layers usually end up. You end up with sand and then silt and then clay and then water. And the water at the top was definitely clear. How about this? When you did the test, how long did it take until you could see the results? About two hours. That kind of suggests silt. I know. I know it does. But so you're telling me that if I had a, you know, you saw the size of the mason bar jar full of just clay, all that clay would stay in suspension for 24 hours? I would, I would think that like in 24 hours, I would see like it would be a bunch of clay, but the water would still be cloudy with, with even, you know, finer bits of clay. Like it hasn't quite all settled out yet. That's what I would expect after 24 hours. Yeah. And after 72 hours, I think that the water would be clear. That would be consistent with everything that I've read and, and seen too about this oil test. So you probably have silt there. Now, you can still get the silt to seal, but usually there's at least a little bit of clay in there. And it sounds like you got, you got bupkis in that department. And so I'd say one of the things I would do is like, have you seen my little YouTube video where, uh, uh, Josiah Kobernick is like, he goes out into the, to the, our backyard here, sort of. We've got this area we call a rackus, which is very sandy. And then uh, he digs a hole about two feet across and like a foot deep, and he pours a five-gallon bucket of water in there, and then pff, it's gone in a few minutes. It's yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a part of the uh, – it's one of the videos on the, the BB for, you know, sand badge for sealing a pond. Yes! Yes! So then – he he kind of packs the hell out of it with a with a, a a rod, a big steel rod, and then he he kind of slappy walks on it with his bare feet, which I've got to think like I don't think that part's really doing much, buddy. But if it makes you happy, go for it. Um, and uh, and then he pours an, uh, another five gallon bucket of water in there, and an hour later, the water levels drop half an inch. So better. Not perfect, but better. And and basically, the important thing is, is that it's it's clearly when he poured the five gallon bucket of water in there to begin with. Clearly, it's mostly sand. The water just right through. Right. 
So <clears throat> let's say you have silt, which is just tiny sand. And so um, that means that if you do what Josiah did, it might work. But in that video, he also found like a little nubbin of clay. Not a lot, but a little nubbin of it. And and he kind of tried to mix that in as he was doing all this packy, stompy stuff. All right. You don't have any clay. But you do Or all clay? There's still chance, right? Well, I think... I I think the fact that you got three inches of rain and then it went away, I don't think you got clay. But you know what? All I got to go on is looking at your mason jar in this video, which clearly it's all one gob of brown, no layers at all. And it's like, wow, that is that is weird. And then you're telling me about the crack stuff. And it's kind of like, does silt crack? I mean, every time I've ever seen cracked, I've always seen it on clay. And it's like I go play with it, and it's clay. So <clears throat> I don't know. I um, I, I figured if, it, if, if it's not, if it doesn't seal – then we're bringing the pigs back next year and we'll run, we'll basically turn okay. into a giant wallow. And that would probably be like plan two. What about the snake test? Have you tried the snake test? Yep. You... Yep. That's worked. Yeah. I've been able to make like a long skinny, skinny tube, uh, like rolling it together. That's worked. That, that kind of suggests clay provided that the snake doesn't break. About this long. Church break. Okay, so that looks like seven inches. Yeah, maybe a little less. All right. Um, wow. Wow. Man, I'm feeling like there's just edge case all over this. I mean, if there's – I mean, it seems like you've got either pure clay or pure silt because it didn't layer up. But if it's all if, – if the water at the top of the mason jar test is clear in two hours, boy, that really makes me think silt. Yeah. And so – all right. Here's here's what I want you to do. I want you to do what Josiah did. Make a hole two feet across, a foot deep. In fact, just just do the BB. Get the BB. You know? Prove that the water, you pour a five-gallon bucket of water in there, prove that that water disappears in less than an hour. And then go in there like with a pointy digging bar and then and then stab that ground over and over again like a hundred times at the pointy end going into the ground. Because basically you're emulating the pig's hook right there. Stab, 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 stab. So you're gonna do all this stabbing action in your in your micro pond. And then put in another five-gallon bucket of water and see what happens. You know, it'll probably seal. But I need I need to know that. I need to hear it. You need to know that. Does this help? It gets me to BB10 anyway, so sure. <laughs> All right. So you got you're you're on BB. You got nine BBs now. 
Yes. Yes. All right. All right. Okay, we're a little past time. I'll give you one more question. What do you got? One more thing to talk about. Okay, so let's take a look at this picture. So here you can see at the top of this picture, here's the seasonal ditch coming in. Right. And here's where the where the pond started. Okay. So geographically, I couldn't do the finger spillway because of where the the pond and the fence line is. I would have to build that you know that swale finger onto my neighbor's property. So you know, thinking about the the world domination gardening videos that you can get on richsoil.com, one of the things you talk about is slowing the or uh capturing the floaties and sinking the sinkers, you know. So yeah. something along those lines. So I, I did try to leave this the first part of this ditch in here. Um and then as it enters the pond, piled up those rocks there to one stop erosion also to, to aerate. Hopefully it's gonna kind of splash around, at least when the pond is not full. Um any thoughts on what can be done better here or well, okay. what you like so, or don't like? The part where we're trying to um, uh, get the sinkers to sink and the floaties to float, that's because the water source that we have is very questionable. And part of the mission was that we're so desperate for water, we want to take this filthy water that's got toxic gick in it and we want to get the toxic gick out. And so we were trying to get that out. But, but for you, this water is coming from a very reliable place. So we don't need to worry about getting uh, the toxic gick out. The water is going to be pretty clean by our standards, even if what comes in is looking muddy. Maybe that's what you're thinking about. It's like, I want it to be, I want it to become clear. Not and be not muddy. Yeah. Okay. Now, <clears throat> one thing that might be kind of an because earlier we were talking about aeration. So one thing that might be kind of a nice thing is that because you got two ponds, right? This is your lower pond, mm-hmm. and then there's the the other pond that's up higher. And so one thing you might do is to set it up so that the overflow from the upper pond runs into this pond. And and then we, as when it comes to aeration, another thing you might do is that is to set up something so that whenever the sun's out, and there's a BB for this, whenever the sun's out, it hits a solar panel which activates this little pump, and then it pumps water up to the upper pond, and it it dribbles it into the upper pond, piddly piddly piddly, adding oxygen to the water, and then the water that flows down to this pond goes piddly piddly piddly, adding oxygen to the water. So. Um, <clears throat> whenever the sun's out, a lot of piddly, piddly, piddly action. And then if the intake from the pump is kind of like, you know, a couple feet off the bottom of this pond, then in theory, it's pulling, it's, it's between the floaties and the sinkies. So nice clean water is going up to the upper pond. What do you think? I like it. And I think I recall that. I think that was inspired by something you saw at the, at the Bullock Brothers, right? Just like a straight, simple panel to a pump, no converter. 
Right. Uh, right. Do you think we, so, so the difference in height between those two ponds is almost the full height of the property. So 50 feet elevation. Do you think a little pump is going to be able to handle that? Well, it's, it's, you know, do you think uh, a piece of string is long enough? It's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to say. Sure, like, sure. Okay. Yeah. If talking? it works or it works. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, let's say, let's say you, you get a little pump and you set it up and it turns out to not be enough. And it's like, well, you know what? This, this yeah, pump is great for these flow forms that are going to be set right here now. <laughs> and now I'm going to go buy a pump that's four times beefier than that one and try that. And it's like, I can't help but think. That whatever you end up getting, it's going to be fun playing with whether it's big enough or not. Okay. Okay. Fair point. Fair point. Fair point. Now you'll have two, you know, and, uh, hopefully the, the missus isn't like, you know, staring down the length of something at you to, to be like, you're spending too much money on your toys there, buddy. All my toys are going into permaculture projects on the property. So she, she, she I don't have very many, I don't have any other vices in permaculture. <laughs> okay. 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 And it's like, it's going to turn into food. I'm making a chinampa. That's what I'm doing. It's going to have so much food. Yeah. Feed the kids. <laughs> Somebody's got to feed the kids. <laughs> like that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's starting to not work. We now have more food than we can harvest. So that was kind of like the initial first few years is to be able to go outside and have food from, you know, spring to end of summer. And, you know, yeah. Get those kids out there grazing so you don't have to pick it for them. <laughs> <laughs> or they look like they're about big enough. Go out and get me a couple pounds of potatoes for dinner tonight. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> they have, they have, they've started entering that phase. It's very, it's a very nice phase when walking in with a giant basket of vegetables or fruit. You there, bio remote one, go get two pounds of potatoes and don't give me any of your sass. Yeah. <laughs> and bio remote number two, go get carrots and don't eat them all. <laughs> So, and later you'll be telling them to eat them all. <laughs> so, all right. Um, I, I'm not sure if I answered your question, but I didn't really understand what the question was. There's floaties and sinkies and there was this little bunch of sticks that were like a shitty bridge. And, uh, I don't know. I made something up. Oh, that's a great bridge. That's for 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 a ten year old, that is a fantastic. Okay, you're that's right. A fantastic bridge. I'm going to go step on your bridge, and then it won't be a bridge anymore. But uh, wow, sure, for a ten year old, it's great. You're right. Somebody said, "Oh, I posted this on for me." So it looks tiny. I'm like, those branches are like five inches in diameter, and that's like a ten foot high rock wall. So I think maybe the. Uh... <laughs> Perspective on this photo is working oh, very well. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah, they. I thought they were like inch and a half. No, no, so, no, no. That's, that's, that's big. You, even okay. you, even you would, wouldn't okay. be able to break. I think even one of those. We got like five. All right, there, so awesome. Good. Awesome. Awesome. Those are bo- right. those are boulders, not not rocks. 
one at the top almost tipped over the excavator. All right. Lovely. Beautiful. Thank you for your time, Paul. You're welcome. Thank you for your money. I already spent it on something. I don't know what. Probably $104 I ever spent. Why was it $104? I'm also supporting your Patreon for podcasts. I'm double paying for this. Okay, double paying. Yeah, nice. (laughs) Sucker. (laughs) So, so yeah, I probably spent the money on the the Rocket Mass Heater Jamboree is about to begin, and it's running way in the red um, for all the reasons. Um, But... uh, Oh, it's, it's going to be exciting. So I'm, uh, we're doing, I just got done. I was, I had, I, I was down there talking to all the boots and Fred as they're getting, as they're gearing all the stuff up and I'm like, Oh, I gotta go. I got a meeting starting, you know, right now I gotta run. So, um, just because we're doing all the things to get ready and, uh, oh, we've got this mountain of materials for all the projects and stuff. Ah. And uh not sure if there's going to be a videographer or not. It's, it sounds iffy. Oh, that'd be a yeah. Because I could read that on your face right there. Like, is it going to be video? Because I'm not going to be there. Video it. I yeah. I I've attempted to build a rocket mass heater, and it is a uncompleted project in my shop. So, it, I, video video of it, video of the jamboree would have been awesome. I feel like we've come up with a couple of really cool new ways to bring the cost down to a tenth and uh and it's better and it's like uh and i want to we're going to do more experimenting in this space this year as we're doing all these projects but um uh yeah it would be great if we could get a videographer and for a while we had one lined up and uh she flaked um and, uh, yeah, it's, and it's like, and at least it's great that she told us that she flaked and we could try to line somebody else up as opposed to other videographers that just don't show up. So, um, and it's like, all right, well, we'll make the best of it. Um, <clears throat> but hey, we're, we are obsessed with experimenting. At the same time, we've got so many rocket mass eaters that are working really well. That the concept is proven, it's the optimization we're working on, and we've got, um, in fact, the the Gamera rocket mass heater has shown up. So this is a, a, a commercial rocket mass heater in Europe. It's here now, and we're going to be putting that under the red cabin. Um, and uh, the the uh, Sky Heidelson, who's the Liberator guy who sells the commercial rocket mass heater in the United States, he's bringing one, and we're putting it into the wood shop. Yeah, the Gamera is only a four-inch wood feed, though, right? Well, they do. They have this whole different way of measuring everything. They call it metric or something like that. And so, uh, uh, and, and they they Sorry, like ten centimeters. And they have a and over in their country, they have a different word for everything. You can't even understand what they're saying. So uh, it's like so. It's probably not going to fit right into your concept of inches. <clears throat> but my understanding is, is you can think of it as a five-inch system, and so a little bigger than a four-inch. But hey, we'll pop that box open here soon, and and get to installing it. Maybe because Sky Huddleston's going to be here a few days, uh, and and we're all going to be impressed by his Liberator rocket mass heater, and um. 
maybe he'll want to be the guy that uh, runs point on installing the Gamera um, because, you know, it's uh, it's kind of like it's not exactly a competing product because it's in a whole different continent. And uh, it's not like people are probably shipping Liberator rocket mass heaters into Europe. So um, I think – and I – I run this event in the red in the hopes of bringing all these rocket mass heater leaders together and they can cross pollinate and advance rocket mass heater knowledge because I think that there's still tons of room for optimization on, on the whole concept. And so I, I love it when these guys get together and ideas seem to grow 10 times faster for that year than if we don't hold the event. So, um, but in order to have the event, we need to sell tickets, and people need to, you know, uh, buy the tickets and come to the event. So um, anyway, uh, but it, it, I mean, most of the events we do here run in the red. They're, you know, subsidized by all the other things that I do. Uh, anyway, I'm super excited about. It. I'm sorry that your rocket mass heater isn't complete. Do you have Ernie Erica's book? Yes. Yeah, I good. do. I do. I did buy the. I did buy the book and have you the, watched I did the two Kickstarter. Yeah, supported both of your kick, both the Rocket Kickstarters. Oh, good, 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 good. So, um, but I think we've come. I mean, that that last video, the la the the new 4 DVD set is that from 2016? So that's five years old. I think so. I have to look back. I mean, I kind of feel like we hit it out of the park with the puppy burner. Rocket mass heater in those videos. Um, that one, that one is working really, really good. Uh, some of the others we've replaced, um, but I kind of feel like we're overdue to make a brand new rocket mass heater movie. I hope a videographer shows up and wants to make big bucks and doing a future Kickstarter. If if you were to direct somebody to a video today, say, hey, this, do you want to? Learn how to build your own rocket mass heater. Here, this is the the, the top choice. Yeah, what video gotta, would you direct them to? I gotta say, whatever you do, don't look at YouTube. There's so much stuff on there that's just a dumpster fire. It's it's like uh, freak shows of flaming death. Just don't even. And they're labeled as rocket mass heaters, and it's like no, no. Um, for a video right now. I, I kind of feel like if you pick and choose out of the, out of my most recent four DVD set, you're going to see the stuff about what's in the Fisher Price house. And I, and I kind of feel like that's for me, that's kind of like, that's the gold standard for what we kind of, we're all, we're all trying to compete. All of my efforts are competing with that right now because that is such a strong win. But the materials cost for the core was seven hundred dollars, and uh, at the at the Permaculture Technology Jamboree uh, this year, Mud designed something because he built something last fall in the red cabin that turned out to be okay, but the outside of it was hot, and I bitched and moaned about it. So basically, he designed something that's exactly the same thing, but it's in like he kind of cut the bottom off of a barrel, like the bottom third of a barrel. So now he's got this thing that looks like a bowl. And then he puts the core into that. 
and then he fills it with sand. And the idea is, is that sand is really insulative and cheap. I mean, he just took shovelfuls of what's an Arrakis right now and put it into this. And I argued with him about it for like an hour before I kind of came to the conclusion of like, you know what? I do think that that is probably pretty smart. I mean, there's room for probably optimizing it some more, but to have that full fire brick core wrapped in metal to give it strength sitting in a bowl full of sand I think is going to be the recipe for the future. And then instead of using this molded ceramic fiber tube that is inside the um, the Fisher-Price house rocket nest, which we're seeing the price of those exceeding $500 now. It's, it's instead we're getting this, this material from Thomas Rubino where it's a, a blanket and then the, it's, but the price is lower. The environmental impact is lower. And, and I think that the insulative property might be much better than anything that we are using now. And we're going to be doing a bunch of tests with it this year, this, you know, this year in a week. Wow, it's one week away to the Jamboree. Whew, so, like, as most people are listening to this, it'll be, like, day one or day two of the Jamboree. Um, <clears throat> well, you know, I appreciate you going well over the hour. and Sorry, I get excited I you, about my topics. No, it's great. And I, and I, and I am sorry that, you know, I took you away from such an important activity. Uh, I just want you to know that I'm very appreciative of your of your hour and a half today and all the work that is happening out at the lab with the boots and the team and Fred. Like it is inspiring a lot of people. So if you ever feel lonely or you're raging against the machine by yourself, there's a lot of cheerleaders out here and you are changing the behaviors of a, of a, more people than you know and more people than that you just see on your daily-ish because we're out here um, spreading the good word. Thank you so much. Um, I I do feel like uh, once in a while I get a link to something where somebody's like, somebody's bad-mathing you on the Internet, and by the time I get there, a lot of lovely people have kicked all those people in the nuts about 100 times, and that's a good feeling. And uh and I, I am getting more and more to the point of like, um, in each of the cases where there's naughty people saying ugly things about me, it's like, I think that the big takeaway I have these days is like, uh, you know, you must be awesome when people that are bad mouthing you have to either exaggerate by a factor of a hundred or come up with complete fiction in order to say something bad. And, uh, and I, I kind of feel like, uh, so I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm, I'm finding my silver linings. I, I wish that somehow there was, like, I wish my book was selling a thousand times better than it is right now. I wish for things. And I'm hoping that sometime soon, uh, all, all my stuff, like some, one of the things I made at some point is going to somehow go viral and carry everything else with it. So I'm just, Still making stuff in the hopes 
that that day is coming soon. But uh, thanks for the kind words. Thanks for your support. And uh, I'm, I, I do feel like I, I get a kind word once in a while, which does help to keep me going. But I'm so obsessed. I, I don't think I could ever stop from all the stuff I do. But I am glad when we host an event and a whole bunch of people come out. I, I would like to get more boots in the boot camp. The boots that are here now, there's like six boots here now, would like to get more boots in the boot camp. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm not sure what else we got to do to get that to happen. And I hope, I hope that more people will come. Um, and I think uh, we've got so many projects coming down the road. I, uh, I'm drowning in projects uh, for online stuff. So it's like I'm working on the Rocket Massacre book with Uncle Mud. And, uh, we've got, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, this, this new Wheaton Labs tour movie, the Greenhouse movie is coming out soon. Uh, the skip book, we I mean, like I'm spending an enormous amount of time every, every week trying to get the, get to the layout on that so we can get it printed. But there's also some exciting projects in the hopper for the future, for future Kickstarters. And it's, it's like so much happening. But it's all thanks to people like you supporting my Kickstarter, supporting this stupid $100 thing, (laughs) 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 supporting my Patreon. Uh, So, you know, and actually coming out here once in a while and throwing your shoulder in. And it's like we're moving forward slowly. I think, I think, in fact, have you seen the Turbo Tour, the little nine-minute YouTube video with 65 things in it? Ah, uh, I is that the one that was a teaser for the pre-order on the of the ten dollar video? It kind of is. It's kind of like what the tour video is going to look like, but it just like had a little five or ten second click clip of each thing. I I paid my ten dollars for the the full tour video. I'm excited for it. <laughs> we're gonna we gotta yeah we're trying to get through a bunch of other things so that they can do that editing, but. There's that little nine-minute video, which I think really gives you a good idea of how much stuff there is out here now. And uh, and the water is going in on the lab. I mean, the, the well is dug. The plumbing is being put in right now, today. And How uh, many gallons per hour did you guys did you find? We got two to three gallons per minute, which is ten times more than the amount of water we have at base camp. But it's still kind of a trickle compared to most people's standards. Still, it's enough to get us going and then we can start adding in all kinds of permaculture water sources and uh and then we'll have tons but uh yeah we're building the community and um uh there are some people who have been here who have uh they they came by to try things out and they're like i want it to be different i want i want the boot camp to be half as many hours and i get twice as much stuff and it's like well, it's good to want things. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. oh. uh, so, um, anyway, um, uh, oh, so much happening. All right, Chris, that's it. I'm done with you. I'm done with the <laughs> likes of you. All right. Uh, thanks for doing all this. If you like this sort of thing, come on out to the forums at permies.com where we talk about permaculture design, homesteading, and permaculture all the time. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash paulwheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.